Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants Continuing Education Programs with Tammy Jones and Dave Clay. Tammy, I've got friends and family, <laughs> seems like to be the phrase, that just love listening to you on the podcast. I won't mention me, they're a little harsher <laughs> when it comes to the criticism about me. They, Dave, we hear you all the time. We're so glad that you're letting Tammy talk. Yes, yes, yes. And sharing all kinds of really great information. Yeah, and I, I think he's, he's learning a little bit from it. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that we're talking about he, that would be... Yeah, your husband. Yeah, yeah. Our podcast listeners, we had a little bit of a pre-conversation about that before we began to record. But yeah, Jim's your favorite fan. But why wouldn't he be? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because he's married to you. He loves you. He knows you. And and yet he could still listen to you on the podcast and say, "Wow, I have to listen to that again. I'm learning some yeah. stuff." Yeah. And we certainly would hope that the podcast listeners are doing the same. Why don't I just give it to you, though? We're, we're discussing competent to counsel. Yes, we Jay are. Adams. And yes. also known as, otherwise known as, Nuthetic Counseling. Right. That's exactly right. Yes, Jay, Jay Adams, just a couple of highlights of uh, for anyone who may be joining us for the first time today, Jay Adams was a pastor who, um, I think the best way I can summarize it, recognized as he began his ministry that there is a disconnect or a gap between faith and mental health issues. So, um, at the beginning of his ministry, um, Jay Adams started to look at uh, medical models that were out there. The, the one at the time was, um, the primary one was by Sigmund Freud, and then he spent some time um, hanging out in uh, with mental health professionals and facilities and observing what happened, and then he developed a model of care looking at the role of the Holy Spirit as a counselor um, in the life of an individual. Um, and he, uh, as we started um, into the premises of his works, he discussed the basic roles of the Holy Spirit working through um, the means of grace and ministry of the Word um, through this, the the sovereignty of the person of the Holy Spirit using the, the abilities of the counselor um, and the human agency um, through the, the ministry of the word and the, the guidance of the spirit to in a, uh, to help the clients to um, deal with life issues. So today we're going to go a little deeper and we're actually going to um, look at what t- three basic principles of nathetic counseling. Um, actually, a nathetic confrontation is what we're going to look at to begin with, but 
first started talking about Nothetic counseling, we talked about the fact that Nothetic comes from the root word, the Greek word, root word, um, Nethetho. Now, I'm, I know I'm slaughtering that pronunciation all over the place. And you mean you're not Greek? I'm not, and my sister-in-law, Helen, or Helena, who is of Greek origin, would probably cringe if she were listening to me right now. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, she she could, I'm sure she could advise me. Maybe I need to have a talk with her. But um, from that root word, we learned that it means to admonish uh, when we, we find it in the scriptures. So we're going to be talking about that uh, in today's um, discussion. So, first of all, uh, the concept of nothetic confrontation, admonishing um, others through the word. The very first thing that Adams puts forth in his book, and we're into chapter four of his book um, today. The first thing he puts out there is this is not a practice or um, a principle that is reserved for a specific discipline. It's not reserved for someone with the calling of ministry on their lives um, as a profession, as a career, not for a uh, calling to counselors or professionals that have studied this for years and years, but this is actually a calling for any believer to admonish one another through the word. Um, and the principle that the place that he references in that is from Colossians 3.16. And in um, transliterating um, this a little bit, it then reads, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom and confronting one another pathetically. So with that, he then says, it's, this is the principle that every Christian um, should use in walking aside one another in up and encouraging and admonishing each other in the faith. So it's not just a role of a pastor or um, someone in a formal world. However, at the same time, it definitely is a significant part of the role of individuals called to this type of ministry. Uh, two pastors, two um, evangelists, to those that people may be going to to seek help. Um, typically, from what I've read recently, and actually this was a topic of discussion at a breakfast I attended this morning, was who do people turn to first when they have a significant problem? And the answer to that is that the overwhelming majority of people will go first 
to a pastor, priest, or a rabbi. They're, um, even those who would not necessarily be seen or viewed as a, for lack of a better term, quote-unquote religious person, still they will seek out someone from a faith base um, to help them through a situation that they're going through. But as I was reading through this material by Adams, and Jim and I had this discussion earlier this morning, I never thought about the different roles of Paul in his ministry. The first thing I think of as Paul in his in his role was that he was an evangelist. But as we look at passages of scripture here, in one um, portion, he talked about to the Ephesians. He talked about during the three-year period that he ministered to them. That was a period of time that he said, for three years, I did not cease to confront each one of you and admonish you with tears. That was in a pastoral role. That was not an evangelistic role, but he was serving a role as a pastor as he in these areas where he would settle for any period of time. So that was a little bit different view than what I've had in the past. But what Adams was getting to there was the principles of nathetic counseling or nathetic confrontation when used in a, in a ministry type of role, um, by a pastor um, can be used in two ways. One, public confrontation. You know, a minister delivers a sermon to a group of people and as a whole addresses that group. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, individuals are impacted and maybe come to a recognition that something is wrong within their life that they need to deal with. And that's one way that this nathetic um, principle can be used. But the other is that it is very much an individual uh, basis that this nathetic activity is used. Um, in, I think it's Colossians one twenty eight, I believe, is where... Paul actually talked about ministering to the individual um, on, for the change in every man. Um, so each person, and we preach, warning every and teaching every man. So on an individual one-to-one basis, the principles of nathetic um, ministry nathetic confrontation are used. So, when we look at the three elements of nathetic confrontation, again, keeping in mind nathetos, um, nathetic to mean admonishing, to warn, or to teach. Um, The 
is the consideration that something is wrong with a person that needs to be fixed. That this is the initial recognition of a sin, some sort of obstruction within an individual's life, a problem, uh, some difficulty or a need that is acknowledged and need and has to be dealt with um, as a central focus of uh, helping this person to um, achieve change. So the goal in that instance is to affect um, personal and behavioral changes that are going to help resolve this thing that is wrong in the life of the individual. Um, yeah, that can take on a whole lot of different roles. Um, we see that you know, um, maybe one of the things that I've seen most re- recently and been, been dealing with folks most recently with is in the area of, gr- of grief and loss. Um, may surround, uh, for instance, loss of a job and all that brings. Um, and we'll, um, as we move it through the other two elements of this, we'll try to stick with that same example. But um, in looking at working with individuals that have faced job loss, there are lots of things that come subsequent to that. Um, you have um, a loss of identity, uh, a loss of financial means, um, and a lot, you know, a lot of uncertainty, lack of control. So, as we look at the beginning of this, confronting what's wrong within a person's life. Um, brings an acknowledgement that, okay, things aren't good, and there is a need and a want and a desire to change. So that's the first element we have. The second element is that as this problem solving begins, it's actually done by verbal means. Um, and which kind of brings us into the concept of, of counseling and the overlap. So, you know, I guess there are people that um, are reluctant to seeking counsel of others, but it's very scripturally based. Um, we are taught, we are trained, we learn by word of mouth. Um, by person-person confrontation. Um, And this can be formal, it can be informal. Um, You know, there's, when someone comes to talk with me, um, we're meeting on a confidential um, basis and what's shared in the room stays in the room and they know that that's the case. But at the same time, You know, we may, if we're sitting in, um, for instance, in a uh, a 
worship service and we're listening to a pastor, the Holy Spirit may speak to an individual and minister more informally. Um, at least that's the way I, I think of an informal example um, where the the Spirit will minister to the individuals and um, through the word of the the minister or the individual that it's um, you, being allowed allowing him or herself to be used as the mouthpiece. Um, does that, does that seem to make sense? Uh, it does. <laughs> Is that my invite to comment? Yes. <laughs> it does make sense. But, but I'm going to offer, since you're doing such a fabulous job from the biblical counseling side of it, the Christian counseling, pastoral care side of it, I'm going to offer a little bit of a context within a more clinical reference but it would not be to justify anything you're saying. It's quite the opposite. It's to highlight the fact that all of this began with the Word of God. <laughs> Education, as we know it today, didactic, active, right. teaching, right. all came from that tradition of the Word of God, Scripture most specifically, uh, what were maybe more oral traditions back in the day. Maybe they drew pictures on cave walls at some point. But what became then teachable moments, if I could call them that, it always had that dimension of sharing knowledge and teaching somebody. And with that then, philosophy. And with that then, getting back to the whole Greek thing, uh, all of that that goes along even with um, the Greek, great Greek philosophers, it was within Socrates. Is, was he Greek? I believe so. I do too. We're calling that for today. You can ask your sister-in-law or whoever it was. Yes. I, I think she, I think he was. But the point of it is, all of this that psychology is today comes from that. That's the history and systems. That's the lineage. So when Freud came along, Freud came along and really not only moved it away from God, as we talked about last podcast, but took it in a completely different direction. And with that, it was no longer didactic. It was more passive. And with that, there really wasn't much taught. You just laid on the sofa and just spilled your guts, and then Freud would chase after whatever direction it went in. And he would do some interpretation, but it really would not be directed toward any specific sort of instruction or outcome. And this is all important. Right. So that was like wandering around in the wilderness again for 40 years. The idea is it doesn't take you anywhere. You just cover the same old ground and... You have all these thoughts and you bounce them off each other, but nobody determines whether they're right or whether they're wrong. And maybe sometimes even if you felt uncomfortable with what you had been taught, you could even say, well, we could do it different. It's the really it's the manifestation of liberalism, <laughs> total, complete freedom in that. Yeah. But it wasn't working. And that's why I do believe Jay Adams begins with uh, Sigmund Freud. And the ineffectiveness of that. And there's still psychoanalysis out there and psychoanalysts out there. Uh, but it really doesn't take you anywhere. 
But concurrent to that, in a secular regard, clinicians were already figuring out this wasn't working. And as much as, again, Adams begins with Freud and the father's psychology, what was also happening, though, was in a very contemporary sort of way, he was in a spiritual battle with Albert Ellis, who was in science, the, probably one of the originators of cognitive therapies, uh, rational emotive therapy in particular. It wasn't that he was the first one to come up with the theory, but at that particular time, he was doing the same thing Adams was doing in this challenging, this challenge of what your concepts were, using words. It was very activity-oriented. It wasn't passive. Carl Rogers is another one of those sentinel sort of theorists when it comes to psychology. He was more along the lines of Freud, just be nice to people and they'll get better. No, people don't get better because the corruption of humanism and faulty paradigms and the, the missing application, Freud, of science. Science is with empirical pursuit, finding the most adaptive of explanations, and then out of that, some application of an answer. Freud took you nowhere except more into the woods or the weeds. At least Albert was Albert Ellis was going in that direction. But at the same time, though, he had no real connection to Bible. He had no real connection to history. He just was going toward the, I guess, the pragmatic aspect of it's not working for you, so do something else. That's an irrational premise. And what did he base that on? Basically, what was otherwise sort of contextually history but he didn't give any credibility or credence to where it all began. And it all began with the Word of God. Most of the uh, institutions of higher education in the United States were all founded upon the Word of God. And in that same way, humanism has crept in and continues to and hijacked them. But liberalism has no end. It's not even scientific. And I think we're beginning to see more and more of that in a more kind of current contemporary cultural dimension of even what we're living in. But Adams was already recognizing that. But he was doing the same thing that clinical psychology was doing. He was just basing it upon a more solid foundation, one that really did demonstrate not only empirical thought, but all this notion of precedence. And with that, science itself, you know, you start with a theory, you keep modifying it till you finally get closer to what you think is the truth. But everything's a narrative. You just don't come up with something out of the middle of nowhere and think it's true. You have to test it. I'm going to give it back to you. But I thought that might be real helpful for our podcast listeners to hear that because Adams was really doing the very same thing that they were doing clinically. What's the difference is it was all established, clinical psychology, it was all established, however, in the Word of God. And what better precedent... What better history, what better tracking, so to speak, generation upon generation of empiricism. The Bible is the first real <laughs> empirical study of humanity. I'll give it back to you. Yes. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Now, I, I think, yes, you, you found the right page in the book. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. No, because you, you led, that leads in 
to a, a question that Adam started to throw out there is how in psychology, psychoanalysis, psychotherapy, um, the question that often Adam says wastes the most time is asking why. Why, 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 why? You can ask why till the end of time, and it will all come back to the same answer. Because we are born with simple nature. All the problems will eventually get you back to that same premise. But with the second element of nesthetic counseling, he puts out there that the better question to ask is what? What will lead you, what, what, is, what have you been doing? Um, what can be done about the situation? What does God say must be done? Pulling the, pulling the word in and looking at it from that perspective, that will lead to resol- problem resolution as we work with um, individuals. So that, um, again, the, to sum, sum up the second element in the nethetic context then is this personal conference or, or discussion and counseling that's directed toward bringing about change in a direction of conformity to biblical principles and practices. Then the third element of an aesthetic confrontation uh, looks at changing what is causing the hurt in the life of the individual that we're working with. Um, With that, the, we have we talked about Ephesians uh, 4 as our beginning passage, the very first podcast that we recorded. We And I'm, I have my Bible open here, and this scripture keeps jumping out. And I think in, in ministering this, the, 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 with this third element in mind, What we do is found here in Ephesians 4, 14, and 15. Um, In order to facilitate growth um, through the suffering, through the problems, through the, the resolution of what's going on. But this passage says, we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive but we speak the truth in love that we may grow up into him in all things which is the head in Christ so as we minister to individuals pathetically we bring them to the truth of the scripture. We teach them, we admonish them, um, we use it for uh, reproof, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Um, Nathetic counseling is um, basically the, the 
confrontation with principles and practices of scriptures as the basis for that. Um, with, I'm looking at my notes here. With this, the end of, of this element here, the, the goal of the aesthetic confrontation is to bring men into loving conformity to the laws of God um, through the word, through the scriptures, back to where, uh, helping lead back to where those answers are for each individual. And in every situation when we're dealing with people, um, even when we allow the spirit to work and correct us as if we're in the position of as a counselor, we have to submit to his molding, his correcting, his teaching, his admonishing and correcting in our own lives so that we can better be able to uh, help facilitate change and help facilitate growth and correction and uh, stabilization um, in the lives of folks that are struggling with problems when they come to us. So I am going to wrap up this section of that today because the next part of this jumps into the difference between, well, it's not a significant difference, but aesthetic confrontation versus um, authoritative um, confrontation. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that next week um, and look more into how to apply this um, in principles of pastoral ministry and um ministry to individuals. So I will throw that back to you. Well, and if I could, just in the same sort of spirit of some uh, closure to the discussion points today, I want to go back to Freud and, and I want to be responsible in my presentation. It, I, I mentioned it's like wandering around in the wilderness. Freud did recognize that there was some socialization or parenting uh, influence of your parents telling you what to do. <laughs> and, and I know that God is more than just our parent, but he is our father. And with that, then also know that any parent is not going to be God and that we're all fallible and we're all have a sin nature and that we all have to be at least in that same sort of way responsible to God that we need to listen to him and his word as we've been highlighting, you've been highlighting so well on the podcast. But what I do want to say though is this, Freud would have acknowledged, but he would have also said, well, if you're upset, and it's sort of a childish thought, uh, really, or I could take it back to a childish notion or childish notions. If you're upset about this, maybe you can challenge your parent and because parents are human and fallible, there may be some legitimacy to that. But you can kind of change that then. And with that, there's a bit of a permission, just as Freud took the liberty of moving it away from God as the ultimate absolute authority, at least for the, the things that were well established as with Old Testament. Uh, he would have said, I think, or still psychoanalysts would say today, 
It's up to you, though, to make that ultimate decision of reconciliation between what you believe and what you do and how do you do that based on somewhat how you feel, based on somewhat how it turns out. But the problem is you get so lost in the weeds at times. I'll go back to that notion of the wilderness at times. You've got to come back to at least the solid reference points, and that's back to Jay Adams. Who are you going to base that on? <laughs> you know, I can accept my mom and dad did the best they could, but they were human. Uh, I'm not going to come to you, Tammy, though I respect you greatly, or we would not be doing this podcast uh, together. In your advice and your direction and your ability to do that in a biblical context. I wouldn't go see a psychologist or a counselor, psychological counselor or social worker unless I had some belief in them. But all of them are human too. <laughs> and though I do believe the Holy Spirit works through humans, I also know though that I have to test that water a bit to make sure that the person that is counseling me or standing as my mediator or in some intercessory sort of place in my life to help me, in that Jesus sort of place, I need to trust too that they're abiding in the Word because if they're not, there's no anchor to it. We'll get caught up in the feelings and, and though feelings are legitimate in the sense that they're valid, in the sense they give you feedback of whether something's good or bad, it's really not a very refined sort of presentation and then that's why we need thoughts and that's why there is cognitive therapy and you can't be dismissive of the feelings but you have to make sure the feelings are attached to some sort of sense of reality and how do you do that? <laughs> Same way science does it or empiricism does it. You can take in a lot of data uh, sensorium and some of that's going to be feelings if maybe not all of it. That's just the human apparatus but you begin to learn to apply rationality and reasoning to it and sort it out. But even then, the lens has to be objective. The lens can't be human. The lens can't be arbitrary. The lens can't be, well, let's just take a rational perspective, but we can start out with whatever premise you want to begin with, and we'll test it and see how it works. That's not very elegant, in my opinion, or very efficacious. We need to go back to, again, what's already been established as truth and if truly then the word of God is the Bible is one of the grandest of all studies in human nature that ever was to be it's solid it's built upon constructed upon sound research methodology it's naturalistic observation with a bit of that objectivity and refinement of that, but it's all inspired by God. Why would I not want to go there rather than, again, run the risk, I'll eventually get there, but have to go through all of that testing and retesting and feedback and all of that? I don't want it to come through a corrupted sort of lens. I want it to come right from the source. And what's the primary source of everything? It's God. But that's where Ellis comes back around, or at least speaking of Albert Ellis. He was doing the same thing as Adams, but he was also doing the same thing as Freud. Because he wasn't taking it back to God. He was still trying to figure it out from a human perspective. We're just saying Jay Adams, Nuthetic Counseling, always takes it back to God. And with that, it's one's individual relationship with God, but it should manifest itself too in our relationships with others. 
But certainly don't sit down with a counselor or somebody who's secular, who doesn't take it back to God, who's just going to offer their own best interpretations of what life is and even or about or what works best adaptively in life. But even that, then realize if they take it back to science the way they're supposed to, science has already proven or validated God's premise. It all started there. That's how we've gotten to where we are. The trick is somehow they convince you that it's not attached to God or the Bible. And then when you become unattached, it becomes at risk then of getting way off course. And we start to operate as much off the feelings as we do the thoughts. And even if we want to calibrate the system to something rational and reasoned, if we don't have some mechanism, the Bible, the Word of God, to do that, it's not going to turn out well at all. You might eventually get there, but it's sort of like not having a compass. I mean, if that's all you were left with was to try to get out of the woods, but you couldn't either get the North Star or determine where due north was or have a compass to tell you where south was or east or west, based on that, it's you could get out of the woods, but you know what might happen along the way and would it be, again, more elegant, efficacious? So I'm trying to draw a parallel not to justify Jay Adams, but to say Jay Adams is just recognizing even what the humanists were recognizing. Freud was inadequate. Psychology predicate upon a bunch of feelings or self-reports, <laughs> subjective sort of reports without some sort of basis and some narrative that science gives us, the Word of God gives us first, that science emerged from, you might as well just go ahead and just talk about anything and everything and it'd be valid in the sense that you could report it, it's happened to you, but it wouldn't lead you to any good conclusions if you weren't able to somehow determine what's right or what's wrong. It, it doesn't work. And, and we're seeing that again in more present cultural kind of context. Uh, how far out there are we going to go before somebody wakes up one day in a common sense sort of way and said, this doesn't make any sense. But it's bound to happen because this doesn't make any sense. Not based on what I feel or what I would want to believe it to be, but what science has already told me it is. How can you throw that out? You can't throw that out in my mind without great risk of great peril. But I think that's where we are. Is we're getting into that. So I'm looking very forward to <laughs> our next podcast where you're going to elaborate even more on uh, where Adams would take us and how all this works and how it's really tied to science and how it's really empirically sound. But we don't want to do it within the human context at all. We don't need to. You can if you choose to do what I did. We should go out and, and learn a little bit more about it. and That way you can minister to people who aren't necessarily of the church and who are really lost. But you don't necessarily need to go to somebody who's humanistic. You shouldn't go to somebody who's humanistic or doesn't include God or doesn't recognize these connecting points. Because they're not going to do anything but get you in more trouble. They're going to offer you solutions that aren't any more sound than your own. That doesn't really help you. So, with that thought in mind, though, was that okay segue to get it back to, to the next podcast? I want to invite you, our podcast listeners. Tammy, you want to invite our podcast listeners to come back for the next edition of 
Covenants, continuing education programs. Yes. With Tammy Jones and Dave Clay. And Tammy, you're the director of Covenants Continuing Education Programs. Should they want to just kind of check us out outside of the podcast, they can do that by going to covenants-continuing-education-programs.org or they can call at 304-528-9220. Do you want to say anything else? feedback. Yes. Love to have that. All right. Well, with those thoughts in mind, we do want to invite you back to the next podcast of Covenants Continuing Education Programs with Tammy Jones and Dave Clay. And until then, (laughs) use some common sense. Be smart about it. We'll hopefully catch you on our next podcast.